Welcome to Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with little goobers and self-improvers. It's Paul and Adrian. Let's go. Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap No cap. All right. All right, all right, all right. Paula and Adrian in the morning. Oh, yeah, this is exciting. This is the first time we've recorded an episode in the morning. Hopefully, hopefully we'll skip Adrian's beer corner this time. Or... <laughs> I got it right. Oh, I... <laughs> <laughs> Made sure to go get it yesterday so I could uh, wake up and just have it, have it ready. I like that I might have just, like ruined your day by insisting we record in the morning <laughs> no it's okay i've got D after this and i was gonna drink during that anyway uh, okay. so it's basically just starting my day a little bit Ooh, earlier cool what's your D character i talked about him in the last pod uh Chiprian, the uh tiefling rogue who's also a guild artisan Ooh. uh i based him off my roommate tin so he's a guy who uh likes knives because he cooks a lot but is also kind of obsessive in like a really weird way about knives and also uses knives for more nefarious means <laughs> wait tin uses knives for more nefarious means <laughs> No, but it's kind of a joke that he always has a pocket knife on him. And so, like, if he ever sees you, like, struggling to, like, open something, he immediately, like, pulls out his knife as, like, a joke. <laughs> Can I ask you a question about Tin? Does he, uh, does he make you watch those YouTube videos where they make, like, very random things, like, it, it, where they make knives out of random materials, like, sharpest plastic knife, and then it's, like, them using the, sh- like, block to sharpen a piece of plastic no 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 he's more of a, a traditional knife man like he just got a uh what are they called like a damascus knife oh uh, where the it's like marbled almost it's what the pattern yeah, looks like yeah those yeah. do look cool he's very into like traditional kitchen knives um and that's what my character's based on his parents died in a mysterious fire <laughs> and, uh, wait your has, character uh, or no, <laughs> uh both <laughs> uh, this is a very direct translation uh and uh basement upon but speaking of paul and adrian in the morning and uh community i know one of your favorite bits from community is the uh bare naked ladies bnl <laughs> uh have, have you been hearing po- people talk about psls no so i think this is new because i don't remember people saying this last year uh but apparently the pumpkin spice latte has become such an integral part of the fall season that people are now in emails and in texts saying psl to just apparently with context and with cultural significance to me and pumpkin spice latte oh that's actually kind of wild and something i need to be up on because i already told you that part of my part of my new aesthetic that i'm you know i'm workshopping it it's not quite there yet karen core, yeah, yeah. Karen core. um uh, but, but karen sort of has a racial implication to it so maybe i should just stick with basic core or i don't know or or basic wave I think basic core is just what we teach, is the curriculum we teach kids from K through 12. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Uh, Common, Common core. core. Right? That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, basic wave. Basic wave sounds pretty good. I don't know. It's, yeah, I like I'm still workshopping at it. <laughs> I get an outrun vibe from uh, basic wave. But, but thank uh, you for telling me that. about PSL because I'm going to be at the forefront of this aesthetic. I need to be at the forefront of this aesthetic. You know. So you should have my level of cultural understanding <laughs> of, <laughs> of Karen stuff. You know, we really should do an episode where we bring on a white girl and do like 
white girl columns do we have any yeah. like friends that's most of them what do you mean uh, do we have any like very basic white girl friends is that is one of the members in your friend group like just like classic white girl Ooh, actually i know who i would invite on yeah i don't know if i have many uh, uh graduate student women are usually pretty quirky uh quirky or yeah yeah that makes sense that makes yep. sense you don't have any uh ugg boot wearing friends any ugg boot wearing psl drinking calling the cops on black people ass friends <laughs> uh no i actually don't think i do okay no one comes off the top of my head well that's good who are you gonna invite she's not basic no no i'm not gonna say their name but i mean if you're listening to this you know who you are you know who i'm thinking about <laughs> yeah if you know you know <laughs> oh my god uh okay and so really quick the other thing i wanted to talk about was uh you said goobers off top right? yeah 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 um and so I wanted to talk to you about whether or not you had friends growing up. I guess we had overlapping friend groups, but um, there were things that parents called their children that were supposed to be like embarrassing, uh, but I always found them quite sweet, quite saccharine. So Hunter's mom always called him Little Goober, and uh, Mark's mom always called him Sweetest Pea, uh, which was like one of those very like sitcom-y things where like she would say it in front of his friends and we were supposed to like make fun of him for it, but I always thought it was pretty adorable. <laughs> I like that you were just, like, such a mature kid. You were just, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, like, the ones that my parents called me were, like, very cultural. And, like, it's not... They weren't, like, embarrassing like that, so... Yeah, in Arabic culture, it's actually interesting. It's kind of hard to explain to people. But uh, the thing for Arabic culture is you call your kid or uh, the person in your family, you call them by what your relationship to them is so for example my dad would call me like he would call me dad or baba oh interesting yeah yeah it's it's um that's kind of the yeah that was the pet name from my parents <laughs> yeah i had a lot of different ones i think my dad would always call my sister chukafea which uh in spanish means like ugly child <laughs> which is one of those things where like in spanish it's considered endearing <laughs> Which, uh, speaking of, I found out from a, uh, <laughs> so I just signed up for a, uh, subscription food box that gives you, like, six snacks from around the world every, uh, like, month. What a weird choice. What, why, wait, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll quiz you on why you made that decision later. You continue. I, I got sucker, I got suckered <laughs> in by a Facebook ad one day. <laughs> but our last box was from Thailand, and so, uh, my roommate's girlfriend is from Thailand, and so yesterday she was taking the quiz that came with the pamphlet, and, uh, I asked her how she was doing on it, and she, she's, like, from, from Thailand. Like, she moved here as a graduate. Mm. um and she was like yeah i've already gotten one wrong <laughs> like, well, how accurate is this quiz then but uh one of the things i know from the quiz is that apparently in thailand it's uh considered polite and like um it's considered bad luck for your kid to be considered cute because then they'll get stealing stolen away by some kind of mystical entity so you're supposed to call other people's kids ugly and that's like considered the polite thing to do uh and that's similar to how it was in my family where culturally it's considered uh perfectly fine to make fun of your kids and call them little ugly children <laughs> i like that i like that that is adorable um i like little paul being called baba though baba yeah uh i i you know i don't know if it's just my mom never did that or if it's only something males do because it's not like like i don't think women would call their daughter or son mom it's just the dad calls sons dad um or the uncle calls mm. nephews uncle so I don't know if it's necessarily gendered, but that's the only way I've heard it. 
Uh, wait, did you have any more for uh, your questions about why I got this really fun little snack subscription? Oh. That it, doesn't need an explanation? Oh, no, it definitely does. What what, what an obvious waste of money. Go, like, Amazon your own, just Google Vietnamese snacks every month or whatever and, and buy eight uh, snacks off Amazon for probably a lower price than that box is charging you. That's not curated. That's not fun. That doesn't come with a little pamphlet. That doesn't come with a playlist on YouTube of uh, Thai... Thai uh, pop songs to listen to is that a thing that's adorable while you eat the snack <laughs> oh yeah it was like a whole like it was a day for me and tim like we sat down we ate the snacks i cowered in fear from all the shrimp products that were in them uh it was a fun day oh yeah that makes sense we listened to the playlist because asian snackies do be having like uh do be having shellfish for some reason they do they do be doing that <laughs> they do be doing that <laughs> um yeah no actually the best thing in the box was like a thing that was literally just a potato and shrimp stick covered in nori uh and it was absolutely delicious i think luckily because of the way those kind of things are manufactured none of them had enough shrimp in them to really give me that killer blow so uh i was able to try everything and uh not die so that's dope that's nice that is very nice yeah so shout out to that shrimp stick and then shout out to the um we haven't made the mango sticky rice yet because we have fresh mango that we want to eat it with that's still ripening <laughs> that time bomb in your apartment <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually really fun so paul uh tin apparently has a garden at his uh place back home and so his parents uh mailed him a bunch of uh fruits from the garden oh but pre-ripened so that when they got there they would be ready that's smart yeah so it's a mango from his garden and then we had a bunch of um i can't remember what they're called they were like lychee but a little bit more pungent uh, i didn't super enjoy them but we got a whole box of them so i ate some to be polite I think the listeners are really enjoying these little peeks into your into your home life, Adrian. So, what what what's what's Tim's situation? Like, he went to undergrad back uh back home and grad school in America. No, no. Or Tim grew up in L.A. Oh. in Orange County, and so he went to UCLA uh, and then he came to. Oh, UCLA. so when you say back home, I was imagining like, oh, what makes it adorable is that it's so far, but like it's just like. <laughs> a... No, yeah, it's like an eight-hour drive away. <laughs> oh, that's not nearly as fun. <laughs> yeah, not adorable at all. No, it's just uh, his uh, his girlfriend who uh, is from Thailand. Um, but he has gone to Vietnam. I think he went like last year. And I think he goes more often than I go back to Guatemala for sure. Mm. Uh, and then they're like a very classic high achieving family. So I think his like sisters went to Harvard or something. And then they're all doing cool stuff. So wait, you're, you're living with the uh, you're living with the least high achieving of the family. You know what? I won't attack Tin on this podcast. Why did I? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, who's the least achieving sibling in your family? Me, almost certainly. <laughs> by far oh my god maybe that's oh definitely not for you and your family at least right now i mean who knows how your life will go in a few months but uh but what else what's been going on this week i'm um, a play again since the last time we spoke oh shit yes actually i wanted to bring this up on the pod uh we had a our last qualification match for the europa league so it's a one-off game either you win it or you lose if you win you go to the group stage if you lose you're out of the competition we were playing rio ave which were a portuguese team we tie 1-1 in normal time. We go to extra time. They score a goal right at the beginning of extra time. So we have to score a goal, otherwise we're out. Last minute of extra time, we get a penalty and we score it. It goes to penalty shootouts. Paul, I don't know if you know this about soccer penalty shootouts. It's supposed to be 10 kicks. Each team takes 5 kicks, and then whoever has more goals at the end of that wins the game. Unless you're tied, in which case it goes to sudden death, where each player, one at a time, takes a kick. And then it's like a one-for-one. One. So if you make the next goal and the other team doesn't, then it's automatically over. You win. So a normal penalty penalty shootout is 10 kicks. Uh, this game went on for 24 penalty kicks. 
Uh, Holy shit, is that, was, like, some sort of record? It, I think it almost was, yeah. It, like, I, I damn near had a heart attack watching it live, dude. It was insane. Like, there were three different times where we missed our goal in sudden death, and then they also missed theirs right after, until finally we made one and they missed it on the 24th kick. And uh, it, it was just, like, it was comical. Like, it was, like, farcical. Like, I think even the commentators were saying that. They were like, at this point, it, like it's th- this has to be staged. This has to be a joke. Like, we missed our goal. And then the next player comes up and kicks it and it hits the inside of the post and rolls across the goal but doesn't go in. Uh, it was, yeah, I'll send you the video so you can watch it at some point. But, dude, I, I fucking, like, I, I was, I lost years off my life watching that <laughs> penalty shootout. <laughs> Um, but we made it. We're in the group stage, so uh, you know, very exciting. Do you remember? Do you remember that one time we watched a heart wrenching uh, penalty shootout together? Um, state state finals, Irmo versus Lexington, with Adam Young missing his penalty. Yeah, and then that's exactly what I thought about. Yeah, uh, not not defending the next one for the loss. Yeah, you can almost always never blame the keeper because penalties are rigged for the person to score. So, Oh, no, that was um, one of the ones where you could. You don't remember? ESPN even tweeted it out. They tweeted out our high school soccer game because it was remembered to never celebrate too early because he stopped it. It was one of those situations. <laughs> he stopped it, oh, went for the fist yeah. pump, and it rolled in. Um, I remember that, yeah. So that actually happened to us, too, where uh, our goalkeeper hit the ball with his hand, thought we blocked it, and he accidentally hit it back into the net because of the curvature of the ball. Damn. Um, yeah, I remember Adam doing the thing where you put your shirt over your face after you miss, and that's exactly what... Um, the first person to miss a penalty was one of our youth products. So I think he's still like 19, maybe 18 years old, and he kicked it right over the bar, and he did that exact same thing, and I thought of Adam, actually, when I was watching that penalty show. Damn, damn. And, I mean, that was probably, like, about Adam's age when he he did that for the state championship. <laughs> For the South Carolina State Championship, so much different than <laughs> playing for I the think law. Equal stakes, really. <laughs> equal stakes. <laughs> yeah, not quite as many millions rolling around. Oh. Yeah, shout out to little boy Columbo, <laughs> little boy. Yeah, great game, real nail biter. Uh, really fun that we're back in Europe. So, uh, uh, yeah, good times. To, good time to be a Milan fan. So, what, what? How many leagues are in the Europa League? It's like the British, Spanish, Italian, French, German, or d- are there a lot more countries? Is it like all the Eastern European countries too? Oh yeah, so that's actually a really important consideration. Is that like the group that we got grouped into? We're very excited about, even though it's like very tough teams. The farthest we have to go is Scotland, as opposed to other teams that have to go to like Russia. Uh, or turkey to play games so like yeah it is like all of damn so it's like all europe it's not just the like the soccer powers we know about no i mean it is seated where like english teams get like four teams in the competition and like rush like czech teams only their number one team gets into the competition usually Oh, okay but yeah they're they're still there they're still they're still but with that competition and then the higher up competition the champions league there's enough spots where like enough teams of representation get in do you remember uh, another soccer memory between me and you do you remember that time we were in uh denver and we went to watch uh the champions league uh yeah man that was liddy i had to wait i had to hold our spot for like two hours while you guys did stuff i forgot what you did uh, yeah i don't remember either but that was a really nice day and a really nice bar vibe i mean just like 8 a.m packed Dude, shoulder to shoulder yeah. in that pub that was fun We'll never be able to do that again, but oh uh, yeah, thanks to Corona. <laughs> God damn it, Corona! For the audience, I'm pumping my fist in the air. <laughs> coronavirus, dude. Ch- Champions League finals are something special, man. They're 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 always a good time. Same thing for like World Cup games too. Like yeah, uh, for sure. 
yeah man uh, soccer vibes are always dude great. i love uh being in lebanon i guess it's probably the same way for any soccer loving country but i love being in lebanon for uh, world cup summers and just like the practice of grabbing your team's flag hopping in the car after a game and just rolling with hundreds of people through the city honking your horn and screaming at the other team for being bitch-ass losers do the lebanese go for like french teams or do they go for like other arab teams they yeah i mean it's it's the same thing like obviously a lot of french teams just because they're they're you know france uh france was the colonizer of uh, lebanon and a lot of people speak french a lot of that but then also a lot of like just generally going for winning teams like a lot of brazil fans and stuff so ah uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah i get that same thing for my family where it's a soccer loving country but guatemala is not a particularly good yeah team so actually i think when i used to ask my dad about it as a kid he always said that there's too much corruption in the soccer league for our best players to go to the team but i don't know how true that is <laughs> really guatemala is the best at soccer it's just it's uh, <laughs> it was very much yeah it was very much like that <laughs> he was always like like politicians are always putting their sons on the team instead of the best players and so that's why we don't have a, a good team in fact in fact i was supposed to be one of the star players <laughs> <laughs> Guatemala team if it wasn't for those damn politicians <laughs> all right so do do we oh, oh wait you haven't done Adrian's beer corner yet or do you want to do you want to crack it open later and we can start discussing the theme now oh I'm already halfway through the beer <laughs> <laughs> uh it is really delicious it is Jack Rabbit's soul for sale smoothie IPA another one where I'm not super jazzed about the artwork but like, you know, when you have a beer that tastes this good, who cares about the artwork? It's one of those IPAs that, because it's a smoothie IPA, it's a little sweet. It almost tastes like a good like a good glass of orange juice. Um, it kind of works as a breakfast beer. If you're going to crack open any beer to start your day with, don't, don't, don't get fooled by this marketing about session IPAs or easy drinkers or thing like, things like that, where they're, like, giving you, like, a 3% beer because you're supposed to drink it all day. No, 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 no. Open up a Jackrabbit 8.7% IPA <laughs> in a pint. And start your day with that, because this is fucking delicious. It tastes like a good glass of orange juice. Get your day started the right way. Jackrabbit. <laughs> are are you are you taking ads on the side? Are you starting to get paid without telling me? <laughs> Was that a read? No, no, no. Was that why, a read? Why, why, why would I why would I take the money and run and without discussing it with you, Paul? Oh my god. You're pulling a Kevin Hart on my Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> <laughs> well wouldn't you rather be tiffany haddish in that situation yeah probably yeah i have ghostwriters for all of my comedy you're just you just get to be yourself in every role <laughs> um all right so i've already forgotten what our theme is what were we talking about this week our theme is things that we want to be good at but aren't good at okay so there's probably a more succinct way to say so that. podcasting um <laughs> <laughs> we're doing another podcast episode <laughs> no okay things we want to be good at but we aren't um do do you have like something right off the top of your mind? I, I have a few things, I guess. Oh, hundred yeah. percent, yeah. Like soccer, uh, art, music, uh, <laughs> soccer. Oh yeah, I'm I'm I literally music. Like you aren't like a star, or you're not like producing like. <laughs> All right, thank you. You're not producing <laughs> like you know you're not you're not a hit boy. You know what I mean? You're not boy wonder. You're not a. That's literally the first person I thought of. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the alchemist. I'm not Uncle Al. You're not a Timbaland. You're not a, uh, you're not a Metro Boomin. Um, not a Dr. Dre. Not a Dr. Dre, but uh, you're doing your thing. But I actually, like, have no sense of rhythm at all. Like, I couldn't even, like, open FL Studio and play around and make something kind of stupid funny. Like, I've, yeah, I'm yeah. that, I'm that musically inept. 
Paul's favorite song from Phineas and Ferb is Ain't Got Rhythm. <laughs> That's so true. Dude, Phineas and Ferb had some <laughs> slappers. Yeah, dude, they had some bangers, dude. But okay, things we want to be good at. So yeah, I definitely have no 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 ear for music at all or talent for it. I I I want I think I'm all right at drawing, but I would like to be like one of those people who can actually like really like anytime I have an idea, put it down on paper quickly. And I'm definitely not that. I need like I need to think about things and take my time and even then it's not going to always look great. Um what what else yeah. are you bad at? I feel like that list is so I think long. for me it's artistic stuff really. That's about it. There's nothing like Oh, I wish I was better at coding, but that's like a graduate student thing. Oh. Oh yeah, I wish I was better with generally at being a writer. Yeah. My writing skills are not top notch uh, both like on a technical level of I'm just like a poor speller and have no intuition for grammar and on like a pro as a level where i don't think i can like get down the idea uh in a really nice sounding and and easy and fun way to read what i'm writing i think the way you're speaking this really proves your point (laughs) (laughs) that's so true uh i was about to say that's why you're also a uh a grammar relativist right oh yeah Um, Paul's a very big, like, grammar serves a purpose for you to understand what you're reading. So as long as you can read it, the grammar doesn't really matter. Well, it's not a very just tempting read it. I'm, thing I'm for... the same way about, like, vocabulary in general. Like, the idea that a word means anything other than just what the two people saying and hearing the word think it means. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, we've had that conversation before, where I get really annoyed by people who are like, it's, I could care less. It's not, I couldn't care less, or whatever it is uh it's like no like it the the phrase has a meaning now it doesn't really matter what the individual parts mean i was at a walmart and they had a 12 items or less line by god no it's a 12 items or fewer line oh yeah what the fuck are you talking about because you're actually able to count the units so it should be fewer not less less is for uncountable things yeah that's so stupid um do you have anything else to ask me (laughs) um yeah no there yeah i mean i think like everybody like we only have so many skill points to allocate and uh most of mine are in useless piles because i was an idiot kid who didn't well i was an idiot kid and then i was a poor kid where like my parents couldn't pay for me to like take piano lessons so i always i've always been kind of like mildly jealous of people where like they like didn't like that they took piano lessons but they still have that skill as an adult and i was like well fuck you you have an actual skill (laughs) Like, who cares about the fact that you didn't want to have to do that for an hour after school every, like, Thursday? Like, you have an actual skill and your parents are able to pay for you to do that. That's dope. Mm. Yeah, maybe if... I did trombone in fifth grade. But maybe if I'd done piano or something with, like, or drumming, I would have been able to, like, develop more of a sense of rhythm (laughs) instead of trombone, which was, like... Wait, is there not a lot of rhythm to the trombone? <laughs> well, the problem with the trombone is that it's like, as a child, it's almost more about just getting enough, like, lung lung uh, control <laughs> and power to even make it sound right. It's more about just hitting the notes correctly and getting enough power to project the Is this sound. not where, uh, where Ben Shapiro comes in and says that trombone music isn't real music because there's no rhythm to it? Oh my god. And real music needs rhythm and melody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, his his thing is that real music needs melody, right? Because hip-hop only has rhythm and not yeah. necessarily... Obviously, like, there is a lot of melodic hip-hop music, but I think in his mind all hip-hop music is... Well, his dad went to music school, so he knows. But, I mean, I think to wrap it up, me and you are perfect. 
just the way we are, and there's really nothing for us to improve at. We are beautiful, no matter what you say. Alright, well, how are you feeling this week? Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, sure, I'll go first. I actually, so, alright, so I did not bring a bio in for this advice columnist, but this is Asking Bear. He's a writer, educator, publisher, storyteller, and advice guy. And so, Asking Bear is an advice column written by S. Bear Bergman. Bear is a busybody know-it-all with many opinions who is only too happy for a sanctioned opportunity to tell you what he thinks you ought to be doing, as well as a writer, storyteller, publisher, and activist who enjoys telling educational institutions, healthcare groups, and portions of the government what he thinks they ought to be doing. So, a real uh, lifelong and what's what would be the word? Uh, all-encompassing advice giver, um, but willing to lend his advice giving to the everyday man. Ooh, and can I can I just say, based on his picture, he definitely is a bear. He is not misrepresenting oh, yeah. himself. This isn't like false advertising. He he's a he's, he's a, a papa for sure. Boy. He's a papa for sure. It's a thick ass boy. <laughs> um, and so normally he uh. He's kind of like Ola Poppy. He mostly fields LGBTQ plus questions. So I picked one of his like uh, non-sexuality based or identity based one where it's just the title is how do I get okay with being bad at stuff? Which I think is a question that Paul's probably asked himself many times. Adrian, why, why in recent weeks have you become so antagonistic? I thought this was a <laughs> podcast where people tuned in. To hear two friends have a good time together and to learn a little bit about like, you know, I thought this was kind of like a, um, yeah, I thought this was like a Duplass production, like where we were going to learn about like how male friendship it, uh, can be like, you know, problematic, but how really like we could, we can be closer than people think and it doesn't necessarily have to have to be about us ribbing each other or tearing each other down, but actually showing each other true compassion and love. But No, this is more like the Duplass Brothers production Creep, where uh, Paul's a little creep and I make fun of him, which I think is what the plot of that movie was. Um, but anyways, yeah, so uh, I apologize, Paul. We should, we'll, we'll get back to being a non-problematic, exemplary friendship, as we always are. <laughs> Paul, despite the fact that I can't believe this would ever be true, do you have anything to say about the title? How do I get okay with being bad at stuff? Um, sure, yeah. I mean, I think it's like a cringy social media thing, but a lot of people nowadays have that thing. Like, it's kind of crazy in that almost everybody everybody thinks of themselves as an exceptional human nowadays, and you can tell, like, on social media, mm. a lot of people talk about themselves. Like, oh, I was a gifted child, and then I grew up, and that gave me a fear of trying because I was always supposed to be naturally talented at everything as a kid. And so then I had a fear of failure and I wasn't okay with uh, trying anything that was difficult for me. That's a pretty, and I assume that's what this person is going to end up getting at. Um, just because that's such a common complaint on social media. You think there's like a template of a narrative that people Yeah, I think to. that's a pretty common narrative and template people have. And I think, yeah, like it is embarrassing to be bad at something when you first start trying and even though you know everybody's bad at things when they first start trying, it still feels disheartening when it's you. Oh, you know, now that you put it in those terms, I have the perfect story about this. So for me, the one thing that I really wanted to get good at as like a teenager that I never did and that I quit because there were people who were much younger at it that were better than me um, was Heelys. <laughs> Uh, I bought a pair. My dad took me to the local soccer park where there was like a nice long sidewalk for me to learn how to heely. And then as soon as I saw like like 
eight-year-old girls just like running circles around me i literally remember taking the shoes off and being like well fuck this (laughs) i don't i don't need this in my life fuck this (laughs) um and I, i distinctly remember having that exact like thinking in my head where i was like okay well if i'm just not immediately good at this then i don't i don't care anymore <laughs> awesome but yeah so go yeah so i think you're correct that um, that's how well actually i don't know oh god I, I don't know how many people i have in my life who have like told me that narrative but i i get i do get the gist of that narrative existing in our in our kind of millennial age group yeah it might be more of a twitter reddit thing mm, yeah, yeah yeah all right do you want to dive into this question yeah i would like to hear from mr bear Dear Bear, I am a pretty smart, capable guy, but I hate doing things I'm not good at. A few months ago, we went to one of those drink while everyone in the group does painting events, and it was torture. I'm not talented in the visual arts, and the fact that I was making this shitty painting where other people could potentially see me suck made the entire experience emotionally tortuous, even though the room could not have been more relaxed or less judgmental. And it seems like this fear of being seen doing things I'm bad at affects my life in so many ways, such as the driver's license I still don't have due to my heart and my mouth terror of a fatal fuck up, which was only exacerbated by driving lessons during which I stalled out at the worst times. I'm no shrinking violet. I'm comfortable in social situations. I've acted in a dozen of plays, and I'm usually a reasonably confident and capable guy. But when I was talking to my husband about my emotional distress around athletics, and he suggested us going to the park to play catch sometime, the mere idea of being worse at catch than small children where anyone could see me provoked an immediate hell no. This guy knows what I'm talking about. I like this guy. (laughs) Very relatable. So please help me. How do I become okay with the fact that sometimes I'll be not so great at something and do it anyways? It's a skill other people seem to have, and it mystifies me, and I feel like I'm missing out on a lot of life because of it. Ooh, interesting. Okay, so it was very close to... uh... Kind of the terms you put it in more than the terms I put it in. He wasn't... Uh... The thing that interests me, really, sorry to talk over you, but um, it really is like a good example of like something that we all feel, but being taken to a pathological extent. Mm. Like, you shouldn't be not getting your driver's license because you're afraid of being bad at something. Like, he he very clearly has a form of this that goes beyond what most people, I think, would say is reasonable. I, I mean, most pathological issues are issues we all have to one degree or another taken to an extreme like right like people who can't talk to girls like most people have a little bit of nervousness in situations around the opposite sex or romantic situations but people who are completely mute around the opposite sex are people who've taken it to it are the best character on the big bang Theory. yes <laughs> are people who've taken it to a crazy <laughs> pathological level so this is yeah. kind of that where it's something everybody this isn't alien to anybody other than maybe like a psychopath <laughs> Everybody knows that it what it feels like to be embarrassed that you're not good at something. Yeah, yeah. And outside of starting to give advice, my version of this is definitely karaoke. Like, I'm I'm okay with mm. being bad at painting in front of people. I'm okay with being bad at a lot of things in front of people. I'm not embarrassed to be bad at things. But for some reason, karaoke is so that is so painful to be bad at. Even though the whole point is to be bad, somehow it doesn't matter to me because I feel like I'm so bad. It just wraps back around to causing me pain to uh, have to have to partake. Is it not one of those things where you have a song picked out that you know you can do well, or a song that like is kind of like a joke song, so it doesn't matter if you do Maybe. it? Maybe well my or problem not. is that a lot of the songs I would want to do are rap songs, so they have the N word in them, so you gotta avoid them. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 You keep trying to do that song from Watch the Throne about people being in Paris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep trying to do all day. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I get that. I get that. I'm, I'm actually, 
I'm usually I don't do you not just get drunk enough to do karaoke? That, well, that's, like my that's, strategy. My strategy. that's how I do end up right. doing it. Yeah. So I, I, I do both coping mechanisms. I get drunk and then I have a go to song that I know I can do OK, which is uh, Jimmy Eat World's The Middle. Where it's one of those songs where if you really need to, you can always put the mic out and people will finish lines for you. So. Mm. <laughs> I like that you have like showmanship. Like you pick songs, you pick songs where you have like a little bit of showmanship. You can include it in there. <laughs> Put the mic out for the crowd. Yeah, a little tip. Uh, yeah. So it's either that or I do both parts of uh, "Legend Has It" by Run the Jewels. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um. Hear what I say. How do you feel about like slightly competitive things? That this is just like a little bit of a tangent, but sort of related to this problem. Like. Are you good at are you good at bowling? I'm pretty bad at bowling, but it doesn't embarrass me to be bad at bowling in front of other people. I mean, my roommate and I, our friendship really started around us starting a bowling team, the Corey Bolas effect, where <laughs> oh. uh, it was all about getting a really curvy spin on the ball, and then our uh, our mantra was style over substance. <laughs> okay, well, you're good at so, bowling, so not a good example. Are you? We yeah, we actually did. We had a lab hangout that uh, Tin came with me to. Um, I think it was actually when he was still part of our lab. Um, and yeah, we really impressed with our unconventional bowling style <laughs> that uh, was very flashy. Yeah, I think in terms of things where people will sometimes be competitive, I think pools like that too sometimes. And we like darts, a lot of those like kind of bar games. Um, mm. Chess, people always get weirdly. It's, it's one of those things where I think I've talked on pod before about how like chess is a really annoying game where people associate it with intelligence. And so at that, like I really gave up early on, even though it was a really big thing where like, I think. In Guatemala, chess was a big game, so my dad taught me how to play it at a really early age. And um, I used to have like a really nice chess set from Guatemala. That was like a crystal uh, chess set. Uh, but it, the the mystique around it of it being like a gentlemanly like intelligentsia game really like was off putting. Well, to it me. ruins it because so many people get good at it to prove something, and then it's just like I don't want to put the exactly time in. yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So uh, back to the central thesis of the question. Um, if we want to give actual advice, I think, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff I'm not good at. I don't, I, I think the, the gist of it, like you're literally at like a friendly gathering and you're talking about how the atmosphere is friendly and inviting. That's usually enough for me to be in the right place to just do whatever, but. Uh, yeah, obviously. I mean, I think the problem with this question is he knows all this. Like any, this seems like an intelligent person and he knows all the yeah. common advice of like, oh yeah, just get over. Like, obviously he knows that this isn't, a real issue it's only in his head but he still wants to know how to get out of his head so it's kind of hard it's not very easy to give advice to somebody mm -hmm. who's self-aware like this it might be the same as our radio question where like it's just exposure therapy yeah exposure therapy might be a uh, a good but th the problem is how do you expose yourself to something like this without accidentally practicing painting and becoming good at painting <laughs> then <laughs> oh no 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 i mean like he should sign up for like a tap dancing class with 12 year olds Exactly, but uh, you only expose yourself to it. Like, exposure therapy, the whole point is you have to repeat it. But if you sign up for a tap dancing ooh, class, ooh, you no. get good by the third or fourth class, and then you're not embarrassed anymore, so you only get three chances. But, Paul, the exposure is to doing things you're not good at. That's why you sign up for a catalog of courses. Yes, exactly. you only go to the first <laughs> you one. You have to go to the first class. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you have to take uh, the belly dancing class at your rec center, but only go to the first one. Exactly. And make sure to sign up for the advanced <laughs> class. No, that's why you have to sign up for, like, a YMCA or something where the classes are free, but you just pay for, like, yeah. the, yeah, for the opportunity to uh, do any class. 
one of my friends actually teaches the belly dancing class at the rec center at Davis. And one time we were at a party and in the middle of the party, she like made me lay on the floor to try and teach me the right movements to how to uh, belly dance. And uh, I remember just like being on the floor at that party, kind of drunk and being like, I don't think I'm going to get this. I don't think I'm going to get the hang of this. <laughs> if you came out of that party learning that you were a natural at belly dancing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh my God. But yeah. It reminds me of when I tried to learn how to salsa dance for a while and I was so fucking bad at it. Um, so uh, exposure therapy like we said might be difficult if there isn't a way for you to join a bunch of classes for only the first class well actually for things like getting your driver's license maybe getting good at it and practicing and that being exposure therapy is the right answer oh yeah for that one you actually just need to practice (laughs) that one yeah maybe take more than one class for that one um but in general, um, it's so funny to me that this person doesn't want to play catch with their husband. Like, they have a husband. And I know that he yeah. acknowledges it's ridiculous, but it's still funny that <laughs> an adult man with a husband doesn't want to go <laughs> play catch. Because the kids might all stop playing catch, point at him, and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that man who can't play catch. He has feminine hips. <laughs> No, that's the thing I'm most embarrassed about. <laughs> um, Maybe that's antiquated therapist advice, but I feel like that is actual therapist advice, right? Exposure therapy, that's a thing. I think that's probably the right answer here. Right, but if his issue is that he can't even do it for the first time, what if he can't even go to the first tap dancing class or do the first football thing? Like, basically, our advice then just boils down to get over it, which once again is not helpful. Yeah, we need to give them tips and tricks for how to get over it, which is imagine everybody naked. That's a classic. <laughs> yeah, imagine everyone's naked at this child's park where you're <laughs> playing catch with your husband. That's good advice, Paul. Oh, yeah, no. How 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 um, do you how do you gather confidence mentally to do something? So, I know from um a historical record of people being afraid of elevators whenever they were first installed in buildings. Uh, one of the exposure therapy techniques is they would starve the patient and the only way they could eat is there was food in the elevator. And so if you wanted to eat, you had to go into the elevator to do that. What the fuck? So... <laughs> that does not sound like modern psychological advice. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. I think it, you should make make it so that his basic survival depends on doing what he's afraid of. So set him up in a Saw-style situation where he has to paint something in front of the whole crowd to, like, escape, like, I don't know, like, a guillotine slowly descending. I'm saying, do that thing where, like, you put, like, a mozzarella stick on a fishing line and put it right in front of him for while he's painting, just out of reach until he finally finishes. Yeah, that's one solution. That's the only solution. (laughs) Uh, I think this person, I think they probably just need to be institutionalized. I don't know if they can get better. A frontal lobotomy, as we always say, is probably the, uh, it's not the Marcus shame that it used to be, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, no, electroshock therapy sounds right for this situation. All right, are we ready for the answer so we can get confirmed that that's the right yeah, answer? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bear will, will, will agree with us. All right. Uh, dear brave correspondent, I want you to know that I'm answering your letter as much for my benefit as for yours, because I am too so bad at being bad at things, but I have some faith in my ability to dig deep and bring out the good stuff when someone else needs assistance. And maybe in doing trying to help you, I will get some way toward figuring out my own issues about this. The first thing that comes to mind is to ask you this question. Whose voice are you hearing in your brain when the you're a fuck up chorus cranks up? I find that when there's some mean and judgmental voice keeping me from doing something, it tends to belong to someone I have known in my life. 
Sometimes it's a relative or an ex, sometimes a teacher or a counselor. That's actually pretty great because it's easier to dispatch those voices just to pick them up by their judgmental ears and drop them right off the edge of your emotional landscape. Listen to them yowl as they fall until their wailing is too faint to hear. Look around at all the other characters loitering, maybe with some mean and snide thoughts of their own that they were thinking about sharing, and give them your best stink eye while you hook your thumb into your belt. Spit on the ground, maybe, for emphasis. Let everyone know that this here sheriff isn't going to stand for anyone saying any more shit about your perfectly lovely self. Then dust off your hands and go play catch with your husband. And don't worry about what the children are doing. They probably can't read Dostoevsky and... <laughs> Little bitch-ass kid can't read Dostoevsky. <laughs> they know nothing about law and punishment. Bitch-ass kids. They probably can't read Dostoevsky, but you're not rubbing that in their faces, are you? No, you're not, because you're too nice a fellow for that. Oh, he should be. He should be <laughs> rubbing that in their smug little faces. Tell your husband that any ball fumbling should be met with extra kissing, and that if you look like you might be gritting your teeth in embarrassment, he is contractually obligated to sing You're the Top to you, uh, complete with jazz hands. This is, the re this is required even if you're typically a bottom, just to be clear. That seems like extra, like I don't know if that's what the guy was gonna ask <laughs> is, is this okay if i'm a bottom he has to write in <laughs> an <that>? extra question <laughs> i think he was fielding a hypothetical that the guy wasn't gonna ask you mr bear <laughs> uh however perhaps that judgmental voice isn't someone else's sometimes most unfortunately it's my voice as heard from the bottom of a well distant but clear an echo of myself trying to be competent and in control of everything at all times Perhaps there have been times in your past that it has not seemed safe to be less than totally in control. Perhaps you learned early that controlling other people's perceptions is a way to stay okay. I mention this because that's for sure how it has been for me. And so that burning feeling in your face as you make a terrible painting isn't your ego or whatever. It's your fear about staying okay. This is getting real deep. Uh, the mm. thing about our defense mechanisms from being young people is that they are so very important and necessary when we're young. They literally keep us alive. We learn them well because... They're what we develop, usually in a vacuum and with very little help, to allow us to survive being young people. They are so valuable, right up until the moment they stop serving us and start keeping us from doing great things and nourishing things, because our circumstances have changed, and thank God for that, but we're still doing the same stuff. It worked for years, says the hindbrain. Can't stop now. You know what, brave correspondent? In the gentlest way, with my hands on your cheeks and a lollipop tucked into your breast pocket for the ride home, I have to tell you, you can stop now. You did the hard thing. You survived being a young person. Whatever your particular circle of hell was, now it is done. You're grown. You did it. You can let go of being in control of everything always. Your very nice husband probably already knows you're not perfect, and so do your friends. They will love you if you fall down or drop every ball forever, or paint the ugliest and most misshapen birds forever. They might not hang your horrible bird paintings in their house, but they will admire them and toast you for having painted them, and then they will ask you to help them plan a canoe trip, or teach them yoga breathing, or make them your famous chocolate cake from your mother's recipe, or explain about the difference between Middle English and Early Modern English again, or whatever you're good at. Not to pander to you, but to give you proper recognition of all the other jobs you've done well and accomplished. You've done it, brave correspondent. You never have to go back. You can move forward and fail and fail and fail and still not be a failure. You can have another drink and try again, uh, except for driving. <laughs> That's a pretty good joke. Uh, being bad at things means you're learning and not stagnating. It means you're ever growing and not shrinking back into a smaller parcel of a human. Every time you stall the car, remind yourself that this is good, that you are learning. Say it out loud. 
This is good. I'm learning. I am bravely sallying forth. As has been discussed in these pages before, being brave is predicated on being scared, so really, you're halfway there. Take the next step, brave correspondent. Oh, and if you bravely fail at catching a ball a thousand times, and then one day you notice you've gotten better at it, I will come and fiddle terribly while you play if you'd like. Just ask. Love and courage. Bear. Damn. Yeah, that was great. Um, this is another one of those like Washington Post, far, Washington Post, fire Miss Manor. Exactly. Yeah. Hire yeah, bear. Hire bear. Uh, hashtag hire bear. <laughs> Why are we fuck around with Miss Manor? Is bear arrested just so that we can uh just so that we can do a hashtag uh free free bear? Uh, yeah, that was beautiful. It was good advice from a good man. From a good bear. Good advice. I think he also went the therapist route, talking about how, like, this is, like, a symptom of you maintaining coping mechanisms that are no longer useful. Like, that's some, that's some type of shit that, like, I'm not trained on knowing off the top of my head when I read something like this. But that sounds like really sound advice. Yeah, I get that. And it, it's something that could be accurate, but it could also be completely inaccurate. I mean, that's the limitation of an advice column is you're not really sitting with this person and digging into why they have this insecurity. You can't. <laughs> I think my my one counter to that would be that because he has such a lane to his advice columns, like even though this is one of the few questions that doesn't mention sexuality or sex life, um, it it is a it is a person who's a you know LGBTQ plus, which I think comes with like a being a closeted person wherever you probably grew up comes with like a certain symptom mm. of uh, of uh, coping mechanisms that are common to a lot of people in that situation. That does make sense. That does make sense. But but like we said, this was. This is something that does reach, like, almost like a... If he can't get a driver's license because it he's is so nervous about yeah. being judged. It is pathological, so it does get to the point where it's like, you probably need to dig into this with, like, a professional. um, Not just our best guess of who you are based on what we... Knowing your LGBTQ and knowing your... And knowing what you wrote in your question. I don't know if that's quite enough information, but I think Bear did about as good a job as he yep. can. So Adrian, are you are you ready for uh for my column this week? Yeah, I'm excited to see what, what you're bringing in. Um let me let me have it. So I've I've stolen one of your advice columnists. I've stolen Mrs. Badass. Ask a badass. Or more correctly, I've stolen whoever whoever they're wearing the skin of this week which is Cornelia Vanderveer. And I don't remember how we did this last time. I'll do a I'll do a new introduction. So the concept of this advice column is that they that they basically wear the identity of a badass woman from history and answer the advice column as that woman. And this question is jealous of what my friend doesn't even want and it's answered by Cornelia Vanderveer. So last time we read the question, we commented on it and then we read the bi- biography before we answered the question. That way we got like a very okay. quick sense of who they were. So we'll do that again this time. I'll start with the question. Dear badass. Also, yeah, I think it was worth reiterating what the column was about cuz I think that was one of our least listened to episodes. Damn. <laughs> our fans really don't care about amplifying badass women's, women's voices, voices. yes. <laughs> Okay. All my life, all I've wanted to do was sing. I sing in my church choir. In high school, I got to play some cool parts in the annual musicals. I didn't get into the school I wanted to, but my backup school had a good music program, and no one's going to care that I have a BA instead of a BFA when I moved to New York after college. So that's my problem. I can't stop being jealous of this girl who's not even in my program. I find myself getting angry at her for wasting what I would kill to have. I met her in freshman orientation. We hit it off right away. We spent all our time together, and we were thrilled when we found out we were in the same dorm. 
When we finally moved onto campus, it was like I found the sister I'd always wanted. It wasn't until weeks into school that I even realized she could sing. I mentioned playing Reno, and she said she had to. We started harmonizing, anything goes, and she literally took my breath away. She's got this amazing range. She can belt so high, and it still sounds rich and expressive. I finally convinced her to audition for one of the student shows, but I just find myself getting so angry at her sometimes. If I was born with her voice, I wouldn't even waste my time with training. I'd go right to New York and get myself a recording deal. She's the first in her family to go to college, and I know it's really important to her to earn a good living, but it just seems so unfair. I'm working so hard to make the most out of what I was born with, and she has this incredible gift that she's not even using. What can I do to stop this from affecting our friendship? Jealous of what my friend doesn't even want. Alright, Adrian, did I rush through that? I felt like I was No, that was fine. Okay. That was fine. Paul, did you bring this in because this is how you feel about being a podcast host with me? You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I really like I thought we I thought we discussed the Duplan brothers and you'd learned your lesson <laughs> about respect. I, I need it repeated to me multiple times. Um well, no, as yeah. The Duplass think... brothers would say male friendships shouldn't be about ragging on each other. They should be about support, <laughs> friendship, and love. Um Paul, do you have any familiarity with this kind of situation? I'm trying to think. Um when somebody's so naturally good at something, um, and I wish I had that talent no yeah yeah i can't think of anything really off the top of my head um, there was no video game that you liked that like someone just picked up one day and was really good at or i think it's hard to tell and that's probably what this question asker is it like i wonder if this person really never practiced that singing or if they did used to care about singing more than they're letting on is anybody oh, just yeah, that yeah. naturally talented at something i don't know singing seems like one of those things right yeah maybe i don't really know that much about singing because i've always been horrible at it <laughs> Uh, she just has like a good range of like I think that's like a it maybe can be taught but I feel like a lot of that's just biological in terms of what's going on with your vocal cords mm. this is like a very specific sort of uh insecurity and I just I'm, I guess I'm not usually when I see somebody's talented at something I'm not usually quizzing them on how much practice time they've had <laughs> so um... that is a good point that it could be totally in her head that this person's just has never tried to sing in this her first time singing was uh when they harmonized together you know what i was angry at how good phil was at podcasting on the first episode we had him on as a guest <laughs> i think i'm still okay with myself after that one yeah no i am too <laughs> he was very silly i like that they still urged them to use their gift despite being jealous of it i can tell that the question asker in the same way that our last question asker I think for both of these questions, we're not going to get Venomous Paul, because I think both of them are pretty yeah. self-aware, pretty mature, and just realize that they have a problem that they're trying to solve. Oftentimes with the uh, with advice columns, the people writing in are like Reddit, r slash, am I the asshole thing, where they just want people right. to like excuse the their behavior. Or, yeah. yeah. But both these people are very much like asking for real advice about a situation where they're not at all acting poorly <laughs> shout out to them but yeah it, it does make it harder to give the advice because it's actually an intelligent person who didn't just pitch like a softball where it's like <laughs> like some of the other questions where it's like obviously the answer is stop acting like a big stupid baby <laughs> yeah for this one it's kind of similar to the other one it's really it's an it's an internal problem right it's a it's a problem of your inner life it's not like a problem to be solved in any sort of technical way. You don't want this to affect Wait, your friendship with the person. Are we not so doing it's... another uh, Ursula steal her voice? 
Oh, that's a good one. You're right. I, you know, I was being a little bit silly, but maybe, maybe you could incorporate the dark arts. Either that, or why not ask her to be like part of a two-person band? What do you suggest? What do you suggest to this woman to not become like toxic to her friend or start letting this seep into her mental? I'm gonna do like a uh, calling a home run, where I'm gonna say that probably what the answer giver is gonna say has to relate to. Take a moment to think about all the things that you're naturally good at that she wishes she was good at and something about that and something about how we're all good at things naturally. And we don't always pursue things that we're naturally good at and other people can always be jealous about that. But you're you're doing well in your own career path and you're doing the right thing. So just keep moving forward. Okay, well, I'm going to also go ahead and read the bio for you and for Cornelia Vanderveer. And then maybe you can amend that statement or I'll leave it as is. Born 30th of August. August 30th, 1639 in Amsterdam to sailmaker Albert Peterzoon and Janetchi Cornelius' daughter. <laughs> Died 18th <laughs> of October, 1704 in Amsterdam and was buried in the... <laughs> These words are so goddamn silly. <laughs> in the Nivekirk. In the Nivekirk. Uh, despite a lack of support from her family and community, Cornelia became a writer. She published poetry throughout her life, exchanging and publishing poems, with the literary lights like Catherine Lisquilige and Catherina Quistiers. She used her writing to support her political beliefs throughout her life, which covered some of the most tumultuous times in the Dutch Republic. Hmm. Uh, I don't know um, if her being a poet changes what I think the answer is going to be. Oh, Just... yeah, because poets can be moody, so it might not be that. <laughs> take, take what I said, but make it more poetic. <laughs> I Do you think, think we'll have the answer. Do you think she's going to say something about how friendships are important? Uh, like, especially like female friendships, since this is kind of a feminist advice column? Maybe, yeah. Also, really quick, talking about how um, you really butchered all the pronunciations there. Should we talk about my pronunciation of Moog? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Which should before, be what, before my Before my roommate Ben hears the last episode and yeah. literally destroys our house out of anger. Because he loves Moogfest. He goes every year. It's the highlight of his year. And you really pronouncing, sad. and I can't believe I didn't catch it at the moment. I was wondering what Moog music was, but I felt stupid for not knowing, so I didn't mention it. And learning that it was Moog music, mispronounced. Um, I, I, do you want to apologize to our audience, Adrian? You're pretty good at the uh, crying YouTube apology, and I think this might be a time for it. I'm going to say, according to the video that we watched, technically we're all pronouncing it incorrectly because it's a Dutch name, just like this poet, and it's supposed to be pronounced like Moog or whatever. So in the same way that, but uh, the music type, the American, like the American music mu- movement and Moog Fest and every and all the instruments that all the electronic equipment he produces is, it's all Moog. Nope. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm, an, America, I'm, a ling- I'm a linguistic originalist. I think uh, we should be pronouncing croissants croissant. We should be pronouncing <laughs> Gouda Gouda. We should be pronouncing Van Gogh Van Gogh, and we should be pronouncing uh, Moog as a Moog and. Uh, Anyone who says differently is a, a fucking uh, revisionist barbarian. Okay, cool. I can respect that. My advice to this woman is she should just thank this friendship. I think she should... <laughs> get out of there. <laughs> get out of there. This is a toxic friendship. How dare your friend be better than you at anything? Yeah, I think my advice is you should find someone who's also jealous of their friend, and then you guys should do like a mix and match where so that you guys have an alibi... You switch out, you know, your friend cutting her throat, and then what the fuck? 
and then you do whatever you need to do to uh it's like a horror movie that i recently watched about two uh competing cellists where one of them uh feeds the other one hallucinogenic drugs and then makes her chop her arm off uh, so that she can't be a cellist anymore uh you should you should do that yeah yeah um to our audience adrian will almost certainly after hearing that be in your nightmares from now on (laughs) what the fuck was that i'm just (laughs) being pragmatic (laughs) and then you're like just watching snuff films and describing them i mean it was unofficial (laughs) it was on the dark side of youtube yeah no this is why i'm not friends with anybody who's better than me at anything which is why (laughs) your friendship works out so well adrian duplass i'm calling a duplass (laughs) I'm playing a Duplass card. <laughs> Do you think we could? I think I think Mark Duplass is nice enough that he might still come uh, be a guest on this podcast after yeah. after all of this. But J Duplass, stay home. We don't need your transparent ass. <laughs> no, you know I'm a big fan of the league. I'm not gonna take J. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get to this fucking answer. Okay, okay. Dear Jealous, it's brutal, isn't it? I literally chose I Try Harder to be my motto. In Dutch, it's a play on my name. I originally chose it as a badge of pride. The poets who'd become my life, they were born into this world of theater and poetry. My father was a sailmaker. No one in my family understood what I was doing with all this writing. It wasn't until I was with my first love, Katharina, that I started to wonder if it would be my fate to try harder and achieve less. Her plays were so popular. Everyone asked her for a poem for their anthology. She would recommend mine as well, but we both knew who was being published more, even if we never talked about it. I don't know if that was the first crack in our relationship, or just the first that I noticed. There seemed to be so many by the time we finally fell apart. It seemed the more active I became in trying to steer our young country to the right path, the more she resented how I spent my time. And she seemed to have so much of it. The sister she lived with was so supportive of everything that she did, and her brother-in-law was a total coward. Between politics and keeping my family happy, and between the time it took to get Katharina's central home in Amsterdam, it's a wonder I had any time to write at all. Our books became a monument to my jealousy, at least in my mind. Katharina suggested we publish a book together, but somehow the bulk of the poems were mine. The theme of the book was a competition for the poet's crown, and it started with poems that we wrote insisting the other deserved it. At the time, I felt like her poems were pity. It wasn't until years after her death that I started to wonder if maybe I had taken her gesture of kindness and thrown it away. I'm afraid I may have broken her heart. I left her for a girl who looked to me the way I had once seen her. I didn't Mm -hmm. expect Katharina to react the way she did. She stopped writing and married a man. After 20 years of swearing, she liked her freedom too much to ever do so. Years later, the young playwright I left her for left me in turn. Yo, this is like a whole fucking story, dude. This is crazy. (laughs) I know. I'm learning so much about this person's life, and I am (laughs) enthralled. (laughs) I am here for it, as the Twitter folks would say. (laughs) Okay, okay. When I became an old woman, the equality that I had been writing and fighting for seemed further away than ever. I'd seen the wheel of life turn several times. I understood the two stars I'd loved far more than when I was with them. I had some pity for my younger self as well. It's hard to love a genius. Mm. It's easy to see a talent as this all-consuming thing. You look at your friend and you see only the voice you wish you had, but you must see the entire human being in front of you. She has a beautiful voice. She also has needs and fears and hopes. I was much poorer than the circles I traveled in, so I can't help but wonder if your friend sees you 
your comfort with college the way you see her voice. <sighs> you two can only be true friends if you see each other as people, not characteristics. Focus on what drew you to your friend and see the person in front of you, not the chauffeur for a voice. And maybe she will see the person you are. Two souls that touch are more valuable than talent and rarer than genius. Signed, Cornelia Van Der Veer. Oh, you 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 hit the, you hit it out of the park, Paul. It was about female friendship. Yep, that's yep. beautiful. Yeah, that was really well answered. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah, we have another one of those. We're given that beautifully written passage. A big facts, no cap. Goddamn. Goddamn. Um. Yeah, I think as we've already said before, when we first brought up uh, Ask a Badass, highly recommend, and uh, we can ask, uh, we can add Ask Fair uh, to mm. the highly recommend list. In fact, I think the uh, the high civilian honor you can receive in the Netherlands is the big facts, no cap. Goddamn. 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 Uh, yeah, no, that was beautiful, man. That's, uh... Yeah, that was a good time. Also, it was, like, very good at actually... I, I, I'm, I'm sensing that they tried to incorporate the biography into the answers based on the... Uh, yeah, it was... Read. But it didn't felt shoehorned, though. No, it but... Shoehorned. Well, it, I, I'm sure they have to, like, pick the perfect person for each question so that it doesn't feel shoehorned, but it seems like a lot of times it's, let me give you advice based on my life experience, which is a very easy opening to yeah, write about yeah, the biography. Yeah. Um, but I don't have too much to say about that, so do you want to jump into the topical tip, Adrian? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, for today's topical tip, and I know we try not to get political, so let's not bring politics into it, but let's... uh. I guess it, it's inherently political, but let's try not to bring our anger or our uh, political opinions on the way the world should be into it. Wait, is but... this is this topical tip about the immigrants? <laughs> yes, it is. No. So have you heard about one Donald J. Trump? No. What's what's his deal? Who's she? <laughs> <laughs> For two days now, Mr. Donald Trump, president donald trump has See. been diagnosed with coronavirus hashtag not my virus <laughs> <laughs> and i was wondering if you had any advice to offer uh, mr trump the american people on uh, a lot of people are talking about civility and uh are talking about whether or not you're allowed to wish death on um other human beings that's been a big uh that's been a big talking point on twitter is whether or not yeah dude that is actually a really interesting conversation that i don't think needs to be a conversation (laughs) yeah no and i'll mean you won't hash it out on this podcast because there's clearly one right answer and we don't need to just sit around and agree with each other i'll Um, just say i'm disappointed in bernie rachel maddow's being mad corny i think uh it's one of those things where when you have a twitter presence unlike you or me um silence is considered in a response where i think yeah i think the yeah. best response to this is just you know you don't need yeah. to say anything publicly about it yeah i don't know why people feel the need to say anything sometimes yeah. um but yeah do you have any uh do you have any advice for um i mean if you if you had coronavirus what would you do adrian my advice for donald trump uh don't drink any fluids mm-hmm. don't get any rest Make sure you're make sure you're drinking a lot of coffee. Make sure you're up and around. Make sure you're, you know, uh, expending a lot of energy. If you have um, to lift anything, do it with your back mostly, and with and not quick, your legs. Yeah, not your legs. Do it with quick twisting, jerky motions, <laughs> and mostly lift with your back. That's uh that's how yeah. they say. 
it, whenever you eat, whenever you eat anything, don't chew. Just like that's kind of swallow it whole. That's probably what he's doing in the Oval Office. He's probably <laughs> like the, the the desk would look way better in the other corner. <laughs> and then he's getting confused because he's like, this room has no corners. It's like a circle, but like wider. It's like an it's like an oval. Your Trump impression is literally just Matt Christman's <laughs> impression. <laughs> it's wider, folks. <laughs> into like Gollum territory <laughs> I was gonna say that that sounded like Yoda <laughs> <It's real>. yeah. <laughs> oh will it be <laughs> that's my Trump <laughs> uh, yeah man I don't I don't know man uh, it, it's okay actually here's a good point where we can actually talk about this how do you feel about people even on my own Facebook saying that it's conspiracy and that he's faking it so he can come back and be like look it's not a big deal Oh, I think that's probably not true. <laughs> I think so many, so many who are supposed to be reasonable people uh, believe that. People's minds have just been so warped by our current moment, and I think it's also the same people who d- wouldn't want to gloat but don't want to. Like, I think that's a good conspiracy to not have to have an opinion on the whole, like whether or not you have to feel bad for him. <laughs> take is that yeah, you need yeah, to just yeah. go he's faking it so then you don't have to be part of the whether or not you should feel bad for him conversation mm, that's um, yeah that's smart because a lot of people have really worked their way into a corner with that right because you call somebody a fascist so many times but you're fundamentally opposed to any sort of like political violence or any sort yeah, of like actual you're literally saying thing. that this person has like is taking us back 200 years and that they're a racist fascist irredeemable person and then they get sick and you're like oh no baby <laughs> you got better baby <laughs> i would never work i would never wish harm on anyone it's like okay like i don't want to be one of those people that always brings up the nazis in an argument but like think about any any political movement through history so i brought this up to phil yesterday where i was saying that uh back in the beginning of quarantine my roommate mentioned how like delicious she would find it if uh trump got corona and i was like I mean, I think he'd probably die. And my issue is that I think that this next election needs to be a way for Americans to Trump needs to survive so that we can vote him out and have that be a message about what the the oh, I disagree with that. I want him. Oh, out no. no, no so what. I was literally about to say that that's that was what I told Phil. And then I was like, but also fuck him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in a way where it's not about him specifically, because Pence would be just as bad. It's more about, I think, if something Pence you know, would be. Uh, as bad not, without the aesthetics of what I'm not wishing anything on anybody, but about. I'm saying ca- causally, if for some tr- reason Trump had to leave office and Pence had to take over, I think there's no way he would be reelected on the uh, Republican ticket. And I think that would up Biden's chances of winning even more. Um, I don't think Pence has any sort of popular support. Like yeah, Pence that. doesn't have a cult of personality around him. Yeah. I think it would really, really suppress Republican voter turnout, which is. Something I love. Be, uh, also, can we talk about how people who say vote, no matter what, it doesn't matter for who, just go vote, are stupid? <laughs> Don't vote mm. if you're a Republican. I'm going to go ahead and encourage you to stay home and not vote. <laughs> stay home. Stay home. It, it's a... Uh, Suppress yeah. Republican voter turnout. Yeah, if you're a Republican, uh, just, I just want you to know that uh, Trump has made it now that if you say your vote on Twitter, it legally counts. So just do that and uh, stay home. <laughs> In terms of the actual election. <laughs> He's working for you in the way that you hoped he would. Do you have anything to say about the debate that we watched together? Um, 
Yeah, it's weird to me that so many people I know seem to think that that was, like, a loss for Donald Trump, when I think it was a loss for both of them. Like, I can't imagine a better way to embarrass two people and make them, like, I think more people checked out of voting and checked out of the political process so that's, after watching it, that debate than people were encouraged to vote for Biden. Exactly. I so I think completely checked out. That was maybe the best point that I've heard about the debate so far is that people always like make jokes immediately about like who's still undecided. And someone made the point that like clearly the the big thing is not whether or not you're voting Trump or Biden. It's about whether or not you're voting or staying home. Like those are the people who are undecided that mm-hmm. are watching the debate. And I think they're not encouraged by what they saw. <laughs> no, I think if you were just casually putting it on and you weren't sure if you were going to vote for anybody and you saw that showing, you would decide to stay home. Yeah. Um, that was humiliating for both parties. Jesus. Um, I think we got a little bit more political than we like, but I think we kept it not so ranty. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, Paula, have you bought one of the, uh, shut up man Biden t-shirts? <laughs> oh my God. or have you bought one of those t-shirts where uh rbg is a a ghost who gave uh who convinced god to give trump coronavirus (laughs) no i did buy the ruth conda forever one okay that's dope (laughs) ruth conda (laughs) um yeah wasn't that a thing where your four-year-old cousin came up to you and she said uh (laughs) ruth bader ginsburg was the uh black panther of our uh actual reality ruth conda forever talking about the whole like whether or not you're allowed to be about somebody happy about like somebody's death or potential death do you remember when osama bin laden was killed and there was a bunch of like liberal buzz kills who were like i'm not happy about anybody's death and i was like really yeah like no wonder republicans hate us sometimes like like, we can't be happy that they got osama bin laden (laughs) I found out recently, bringing it full circle, beginning to end of soccer to Osama bin Laden, uh, there is a soccer player, Aaron Ramsey, where there's a supposed curse around whenever he scores a goal, someone famous dies the next day. Mm. So the first time it happened, it was Osama bin Laden. The other ones were um, Steve Jobs, uh, Gaddafi, and uh, Whitney Houston. <laughs> and apparently it, it lines up perfectly where the day before each of them died, he scored a goal. And he's like a defensive midfielder, so he doesn't score a lot of goals. That's what I was about to ask, what's yeah. his position? Because otherwise that's a real like condemnation of him as a player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So it's one of those like funny, like uh, kind of like you, you could pick anybody and it technically works depending on who you define as a celebrity. Uh, but I really thought it was funny. Like the, the, the big four that they tout out for the, for the theory is like, oh, that sounds kind of convincing. Okay, well, I think this might actually, since you've wrapped it around beginning to end, might be a good point for me to uh, do my uh, my big fact for the episode, which is sometimes you're jealous of your friends, whether or not they're good at painting, singing, or predicting celebrity deaths by scoring soccer goals. Those are all <laughs> talents that some people have and I don't possess, and sometimes you feel jealous over it, but you have to learn to love yourself. Uh, and my no cap is... Um uh life is about exposure life is a series of exposures to things that you're either familiar with or things that you aren't and uh oftentimes it helps to expose yourself to things that you're unfamiliar with it makes you a better human and it makes you a more courageous person so do that more often all right well adrian signing off from charlotte north carolina it's been a good time buddy (laughs) all right signing off from davis california we'll see you next week (laughs) let's not ever do that version of goodbyes again (laughs) bye buddy (laughs) 
Hear what I say. We are the business today. Fuck shit is finished today. All T and J. Need a new PB and J. We dropped the classic today. We did a tablet of asses today. The joints with the matches and ashes away. We dash away. Donna and Dixon, the pistol is rattling away. Doctors of death. Killing our patients of breath. We ought to pay you the trust. Fuck it, it work. Hooking up curses and slurs. Smoking my brain in the mush. I became famous for blaming you fuck. Maiming my way through the brush. There was no training or taming of me and my bra. Live like a man, but I'm animal raw. We are the murderous pair. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Woo!